I'm done on television. All I read is fortune cookies now. It's my only form of entertainment. I think that's a great plan. <laughs> Fully support that. It's Encyclopedia Brunch. My name is Tim Dobbs. With me, as ever, through the internet, it's Catherine Kogert. Hey, it's good to be here. It's so lovely to have you here. Oh, thank you for inviting me. Yeah, no, you're like in my top 10 co-hosts. <laughs> oh, top 10, eh? Yeah, that's pretty mm. good. Yeah, it's pretty good. I mean, I just, I've, I've had a lot of co-hosts, just so like, percentage-wise. Who are they? Who are they? Hey, don't don't make this about that. Well, how was I not supposed to? Anyway, I was, I was, let's not let's not start on that note. I was literally ranking them, so I guess it's, it doesn't quite work for me to be like, don't make this about a comparison. <laughs> don't make this about rankings. <laughs> don't make my list of people about rankings. My ordered list. <laughs> uh, that's for me to do. I do the ranking. <laughs> you just sit around and be ranked. Just womanhood all over. Oh, healthiest relationship in podcasting. I think we're okay. Yeah, we do all right. Hey. Hey. Um. So what's up with you? Oh, I don't know. Just been like hanging out. Just trying to like, you know, get my groove back. Uh, what about you? Uh, well, Stella. <laughs> I don't know. It's been good. It's been good. It's been a real rainy, wintry season mm. here in Seattle. Um. Do you guys have wintry mix? You know what? what? I, mean? is that, I don't think so. You've, what never is heard, that? you've never heard this phrase? It's just it's an extremely common phrase in the wintertime in uh, uh, meteorological circles in New England. What? It's just like, they'll be like, oh, and that's, uh, you know, it'll start as freezing rain turning into a wintry mix and then snow and then more wintry mix later on. Nope, not a thing. Mm, not a thing here. Interesting. No, never heard of that. I thought you were talking about a tea. Yeah. Like a Trader Joe's tea. <laughs> <laughs> it is delicious. Or else like a like a local DJ thing when you said it was like a a regional thing. <laughs> like as though, as though growing up we all knew our local DJs. Wait, don't you? Of course, yeah. I mean, I I grew up and anyone who grew up in Connecticut of course will recognize Wintry Mix. Um <laughs> those, those hot fresh beats, they really they really warm you up in the in the, the cold uh dark winter sure, months. Yeah. And then of course, you know, I, I I don't know, you ever meet people from the Midwest and they're all about uh I don't know, DJ Carmaster. Um, oh, no. Yeah. No, he's kind of like a Detroit guy. Um, okay. Yeah. It's really big in, in like the Michigan local scene. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So can I gauge your, can I have you react to something that happened to me <laughs> and, I, then, and then use that as information going forward? I'm ready to react. Okay. Uh, so I was listening to the Seattle, I forget which Seattle radio station. It might have been like KEXP or something. I don't know. I don't even know. Fun station. But Love that KEXP. I, Maybe it was at KEXP because it wasn't like it was like some fun, but not like the most fun. Okay. I'm not sure. But the DJ uh, on air just between songs, you know how they'll just say like something quick between songs and then go back to it to, to the jam. Yeah. Um, she said, I just want to thank everybody who wished me a happy birthday yesterday. It was a really nice day. And then right into the next song. <laughs> <laughs> OK, that's weird. I think that's weird. It's like a little weird, but I don't know. What's wrong with that? That's a sense of community. It felt it felt like very descriptive, like a very 
descriptive event of like this is the size or this is how Seattle sees itself. Mm. Like especially people who've lived here for like 30 years of like it's not that big of a city, but you know, we all kind of know each other and it's all a community and we're all part of the fabric here when in fact like the population is kind of exploding and it's really really big and she probably has like a giant listenership and like probably maybe one or one half of a percent knew that it was her birthday yesterday (laughs) i don't know it just seemed like a weird thing to say on air i i see your point i just think uh other people live in other worlds i guess there's a lot of I i think people engage with brands a lot more and uh okay that's not a brand that's a I think people engage hey, with... We're all our own brands. Mm, it is 21st Brand century, cereal. man. Yeah. Yeah, how is Catherine Coe going? <laughs> it's been a bad quarter. <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. No one wished you a happy birthday. Oh. Oh. Uh, well, if listeners would like to write in to encyclopediabrunch <laughs> at gmail.com and wish Catherine a happy birthday from a few weeks ago, please do. And now we all will start a rousing rendition of Happy Birthday to Catherine. One, oh, two, three, now. everybody sing. Um, no, no, I'm not going to do it. No, um, no, <laughs> actually, uh, we still prefer our own Encyclopedia br- Brunch off-brand Happy Birthday song that we sing. <laughs> brunch, brunch, oh, sure. brunch, it's your birthday, brunch, 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 it's your birthday, brunch. Always clapping in those ones. <laughs> Listen, it has to have a really, really workable uh, meter. Like, you have to understand that rhythm. Mentioned that this is also a chain restaurant? Yeah. Well, yeah. Why else would we have put the brunch in the name? Obviously. And so, like all chain restaurants, we will talk this week about our topic this week. <laughs> Oil drilling. Or I guess yep, uh, drilling in the ground in general. Because uh, water drilling uh, like into aquifers, like to get a well, it's it's a similar process. Oh, is it really? A little bit different. A little bit different. Mm. What's the difference? Um, well, you don't have to go as deep typically, and so things just aren't as quite as complicated. There's not as big of a uh, monetary draw to get water out of the ground as there is oil, which is a little crazy because we literally need the water to survive, and our yeah. machines need the oil to survive. So, you know, who's living in a dystopia now, Catherine? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Not the machines. The machines seem like they have the upside of this deal. Yeah, no, it's been going great for them. They've had a great quarter. <laughs> Machine Co. is doing like, great. I feel like we're like in the early stages of Skynet. <laughs> this is just like a casual conversation we're having about Skynet. Like, you know, it really seems like they have the upside here. <laughs> you're just reading the paper. You're like, ooh, Skynet did really well. Wow, they're really taking off, aren't yeah. they? I was thinking of investing in them. I should have gotten in maybe just a little bit earlier. Well, you know, you get busy. Yeah, that's the thing. And it's really hard to predict a singularity. Like, the markets... It's so hard to yeah. predict a singularity. Yeah. They, they don't pick it out, and every once in a while, someone just gets really rich off a of singularity. Really, really filthy rich. <laughs> um, of okay. course, then their body's taken over by nanobots, but, you know, well, so it goes. I mean, life is pros and cons, I think. <laughs> and nanobots, you'll always be young. Mm. nanobots are the opposite of nature's antioxidants <laughs> wait okay let's parse that for a second the parentheses, okay, the parentheses need to be around nature the opposite of nature the opposite of nature okay yeah. so the opposite modifies nature, nature. And, and then the apostrophe s is outside of the <laughs> outside the parentheses yeah yeah the antioxidants okay i get it yeah. <laughs> 
an abominational, an abominational, <laughs> that's probably a word, an abominable threat know. to nature as uh, antioxidants. Um, and speaking of abominable threats to nature. Oh, great. Um, so oil, uh, you know, going back to the 1800s, um, you know, typically we've always gotten our energy from, you know, wood and stuff or things we found, uh, coal maybe. Uh, like real quick. Yeah. Like real quick. I thought it, I did a little bit of research on this and mm-hmm. I thought it was really interesting um, to find that the Japanese actually did like a, a really simplified oil drilling methodology with bamboo. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah, just I, like obviously not that far into the ground. But yeah, they called oil burning water. And there's a lot of evidence of um, the Japanese using natural gas as a fuel source, like as early as the 7th century. 7th century? Yeah, isn't that insane? Yeah, that's crazy. But I guess it makes sense. I mean, so so this is what the point I was trying to get to when I got off on a thing about burning uh, uh, wood and, I don't know, whale oil. See our episode on whales. Um, oh, whales. Yeah, that's a good episode. Uh, is that for a really long time, you could just kind of get oil from the ground if you happen to be in a place that was close enough like the, there was some oil deposit that was awfully close to the surface and away you go um and so i mean this is where we get the imagery of like uh we drilled down a little bit and then just like oil started spurting out and we all danced in this black gold black gold we did it black gold we gotta be rich <laughs> <laughs> that was really insensitive <laughs> to who Appalachian peoples <laughs> there's not a lot of oil in Appalachia. i was thinking more like texas Oh, Texas. I, I mean, it was it's very Beverly Hillbillies, right? Yeah, I suppose so. I think that's what we, you were going for. I don't know. I just feel like that was really insensitive to old prospectors. <laughs> yeah, well, they're, they're an underrepresented class. <laughs> <laughs> they are. Yeah, no, I, I, you know, we need to be respectful to all peoples. But uh, frankly, old prospectors is low on that list. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> I don't know. A lot of them seem like jerks, to be honest. They just, it's true. It's true. But I think that's because of institutionalized jerkiness. Stereotypism. (laughs) Occupationalism. Yeah. The institution that is standard oil. Like, there's, they they built the institutions that made them seem like jerks. Wait, so are we talking about that there will be blood prospectors in, like, nice suits? Or are we talking about the guy in long johns with, like, a too big firm hat and straw and he's got, like, a jug? Which one are you more willing to let me be mean about? I guess either. I don't, I don't really care. I'm just <laughs> trying to right. start a fight. <laughs> it's both. Let's drink up our milkshakes when we come back in a moment on Encyclopedia <laughs> Brunch. And we're back on Encyclopedia Brunch talking about oil drilling. Okay. Is it a song? I'm sketching it out. Are you doing a song right now? It's a first draft. Okay. Okay. Uh, A couple notes. Okay. Go on. It sounds like uh, like baby's first oil drilling song. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. No, that's the CD I'm making right now. Oh. Baby's first oil drilling song. You know, that's a really untapped market. (laughs) Like so many oil deposits. Because you know, you know the secret. 
I hate to keep harping on this, but the secret to making prospectors, old prospectors, more accepted in culture is to start them young on the road to becoming old, cranky prospectors. <laughs> young, cranky prospectors, of course. <laughs> yeah, no, that's why track four on my CD just goes, gold, 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 love that gold, 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 gold. <laughs> horrifying. The kids, the Genuinely kids, they love horrifying. clapping along with it. <laughs> <laughs> what if what if you had a kid what if you had a kid and his first words were like gold <laughs> I'm sorry that, that drifted a little bit into diamonds beautiful diamonds I mean oh my goodness Tim I think I think I think you're gonna be rich I think I think this is your singularity that you're going to get rich off of. I, just, I think, yeah, I think it's going to be great. I just really, oh, I want to have a kid now for, and only for this reason. Also, to answer your question, if I had a kid who said whose first words were go, <laughs> I don't know. I'd leave him or her on some church steps. Yes. And I think that's fair. But what I really like is the idea that it wouldn't just be gold. It might be like. Give me that bottle. That <laughs> delicious bottle. I'm going to be so full. <laughs> this, this... I'm so unhappy. I'm, I'm, I've never been more happy to be this unhappy. <laughs> I'm so confused right now. First words. Imagine that. This is the first thing. The first magical moment. Oh, you ca- you caught it on tape. <laughs> Honey, you'll never believe it. Baby Methuselah said his first words today. No. And then, oh my God, did you get it? Yeah, I got it. On, I got it on tape, but I'm not sure you want to hear it. I, I just. It was a little awkward. <laughs> it was weird for all of us. What did? Yeah. I, did did Baby Methuselah like say? Like maybe a bad word? Did it did it sound like a bad word or was it in front of someone? In a or? way. In a way. Okay. I mean, for us, for our family, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he insulted the uh the, the McCoys. Oh no. We're a Hatfield oh, family. No! It's hard out there for a Hatfield. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's also a song on your baby yep. <laughs> prospector album. Uh, so, um, so if, say you're not a prospector, pre-1900, um, uh, and you have been asked to, hey, I figured out, uh, where all this stuff is, and we already got all the stuff that just spurted out of the ground when I stuck a shovel in there, um, how do we get the rest out? Well, you use some version of a thing that we still use today, which is a drill, uh, and it doesn't, the, the basic premise is not... Like a power drill? It's not terribly different from a power drill in that ah. you uh, you spin a thing um, mm-hmm. that has a pointy end, and then it has a, a couple of different pointy parts so that as it sweeps out a circle, it can sort of scrape away material. And then when you spin it really, really fast, that doesn't really look like scraping anymore. It looks like drilling. Um but if you've ever drilled a piece of wood with a power drill, you know that like a bunch of sawdust comes out. And sometimes if you, you know, go an inch or two in deep, you got to like clear it all out and like blow in it to get all that stuff out of there. This is a problem yeah. for uh, us as well. Drilling down to get oh. that, <laughs> that precious oil. Um, I'm going to I'm going to refrain from doing the prospector voice too much more. <laughs> but um, so 
if you're what, what you do is you set up a drill that drills directly down and it's a big drill of course um and uh yeah you start pushing the drill down and spinning it and at first uh it works uh, pretty easy you know um okay yeah we're clearing away the earth but then as you go deeper and you go miles down in drilling for oil um uh there's is it true that we're we're just going deep like my perception of things is like to find oil we are just going deeper like that's kind of the plan <laughs> no um actually a lot of times it's uh otherwise inaccessible oil deposits um so we're going sideways a lot a lot of technology mm-hmm. these days has to do with drilling down for a mile or two and then turning oh at- sure like a straw that you might stick in someone else's milkshake yeah exactly <laughs> Not not unlike a straw in a milkshake. <laughs> um, and then additionally, like when, when we talk about a lot of the ways that oil has gotten more plentiful, let's say, um, over the past few years, uh, it's it's more about the development of technologies that are able to get oil out of Earth that is uh, not just literally a pool of oil. Like it's not like uh, if you did a cutaway of the Earth, you would drill through a bunch of Earth and then you would get to a spot that's just a big old pool of oil underground and then you just suck it up like a straw in a milkshake um we're doing things more like the oil is if you imagine the earth like a sponge like it has all these pores that oil can sit inside of um and we're finding ways to get oil that is uh stuck in pores that are largely inaccessible so whether they're really really tiny pores or uh which is one thing that fracking does is that it uh it finds ways to break the pores open so that um, the oil will flow out of them into the pipe that you drilled. Um, or otherwise, uh, yeah, break open guck from like tar sands in Canada or whatever. So we're not necessarily just going deep, but we are doing more complex drilling operations to like, whether okay. it's like, yeah, do some kind of hydraulic fracturing that like, you know, breaks open shale or whether we go sideways underneath an ocean for a mile or, you know, we go down and then back up to get around some kind of weird like salt deposit, um, stuff like that. Can I, I have, a, I have another question. So oil derricks, right? The thing that you, like the big tower with like a big head and it has a hammer and it goes up and down and up and down and up and down. What is happening with that up and down action? What, what's going on there? Um, yeah. So I don't think that's an oil derrick. Uh, let me double check myself here. But, um, so an oil derrick is, uh, it totally is. Uh no I don't think that's right so that's what, what you yes do. no it is right okay fine no it's the thing it has a big hammer it kind of looks like the head right. of one of those things from Star Wars hey when you say yes that's right are you looking up something or are you saying yeah, I'm yeah, pretty I am darn sure up something and I looked okay. up I Google imaged oil derricks and it is exactly what I'm thinking of okay so what those so what those pumps do is they provide negative pressure for once you uh. Once you are getting oil out of the ground, so this is after drilling. So when you get oil out of the ground, there's two phases. You drill the well, and then you get the oil out of the well. Um, okay. And in the case of, say, Saudi Arabia, who has uh, all kinds of crazy high-pressure oil underneath their ground, they drill down a bit, and then they uh, put a pipe in there, and then they stick a valve on the pipe. And when they open the valve, there's so much pressure in that oil because it's surrounded by earth, of course, and it's deep underground. If you provide a pathway to the surface where there's less pressure, it'll just flow up. Um, whereas say in California, um, where we've kind of exhausted all the supplies we have of, um, of pressurized oil, then you need to provide some kind of pumping action in order to pull that oil out. Okay. So that's what's going on there. Um, I will, I will, uh, leave it. 
I guess maybe it is a derrick. Maybe a derrick is for both things. But I'm thinking of a framework for the actual drilling. Because so if if you picture that kind of like big triangle, like like kind of a mini crappy Eiffel Tower, you know, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. 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 That's for drilling, and that's basically that's a big rig that holds up the drilling apparatus. Because what you'll do, uh, if you recall, is you've got a drill and you're pushing that down and spinning it, um, and then you go down, you know, I don't know a few hundred feet or something like that but remember we're going miles down and the drill has to continue the entire way so every couple of fe- i don't know how long a pipe is but every however long you need to attach another piece of piping to this uh to this drill so that it can continue to be pushed down further and further and still like have one end at the surface um and so that framework allows you to like hold that thing up and like attach more piping and, okay. Yeah. Is it? I don't know. Derek kind of seems like it's in that this category of words with strut and chit, where it's just a thing you use when you're <laughs> drilling for oil or trying to get oil out of the ground. Yeah, a kiosk. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, maybe it is really just specific to um, to uh, oil. Maybe it's yeah in oil. Maybe it's a thing that holds up oil or something. Uh. It says the Derrick derives its name from a type of gallows named after Thomas Garrick. Oh, that's sad. A lot of, a lot of gallows humor, literally in this case, in uh, oil drilling. That's weird. Eh, well, there you go. So, um, right, so you're, you're drilling down, drilling, 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 and uh, you're using this Derrick to support everything. And um, what you find is, I mean, so I feel like we've, we've like largely solved the problem, right, in, in that... Okay, I know how to get a drill to go down pretty deep. We haven't talked about turning and stuff yet, but like if you're just drilling down straight, so far it makes sense. You you spin a drill every time you get to a certain length, you add a new piece of uh, connector on so that you can keep drilling down, and away you go, right? Mm-hmm. But as we talked about, there's still that sawdust, all that earth that you need to cut away, um, and needs to go somewhere, especially when you're miles down. So the way that that is done is with these complex fluid systems. Um, and the way they do it is, if you noticed earlier, what I said is you connect a new piece of piping, not a new, like, rod of steel or something, because it's actually hollow pipe. So the drill looks like a long, long pipe with um, a cutting head at the very end of it, and that's the part that's actually drilling. And the way they, they carry away all the earth and bring it back to the surface as they drill is they pump fluid down the center of this pipe as it's going down the hole, and then it comes out of holes in the drill head, and it sort of sprays out. And then the drill head is slightly bigger than the pipe. And so there's what they call an annulus. Um, sure. so it's a donut. It's a donut, exactly. So uh, there, there's room between the earth and the pipe. And that's where all that fluid that you've pumped down comes back up. Because it doesn't really have anywhere else good to go. And so it flies back up to the surface and gets collected in a, a pit somewhere and then recycled. Um, but as that's happening, it's carrying away rocks and stuff that's being cut away. Because you're spraying water down from the center of this pipe to where things are getting cut and then it's being forced at high pressure back up to the surface and so lots of bits of earth and rocks and stuff come with it right does that make sense yeah no it makes sense yeah so i thought that was like eh, pretty clever um and so they call that fluid mud because uh one it gets kind of muddy just because there's like earth and stuff but because what they did did historically way back in prospector days is uh they'd actually just use mud because you can't just use water because it has to be sort of thick enough to carry things away. If you just pump water over rocks, the rocks might just sit still. Um, and it, But if you use something a little thicker and you kind of like force it over something, uh, 
then it, it'll actually carry things with it. I don't know what a good analog is. I guess if you if you imagine being hit by a wave of water or a wave of uh, ketchup, I think the ketchup might hurt more. <laughs> it would take you farther. Yeah, for sure. And give you quite so, the story. So the, the key here is viscosity then. Yeah, exactly. And so that's what you end up talking about when you... So there's entire people's jobs is to run these mud systems. Um, there's mud engineers. There's uh, mud hands. There's, you know, on and on <laughs> and so Mud people. Forth. Yeah. As we drill up their <laughs> homeland in the earth, we need to at least give them jobs. Oh, man. <laughs> um, uh. but, but so these people's job is... Uh, for going for a moment, this complicated socio-political uh, nature of of sort of coming in and colonializing the under under Earth, um, as we take over the undermount, manifest destiny. Until we see the core of the Earth, it will be ours. Um, for going all that for a moment, uh, yes, they mostly you worry a lot about viscosity. Um, how just just how thick should you make this mud? If you make it too thick, then it's really hard to pump, and if you make it too thin, then it kind of doesn't work. Um, and then it has, you, you start to get to more complicated things, uh, into the realm of rheology, which is, uh, basically it's about fluid flow and viscosity is a part of that. So how thick is something, but there's this also, um, something called a yield point, which is how, how much does it kind of act like a gel when you let the fluid sit still? So is it like water where it kind of just, I don't know, hangs out or is it like jello where it's like, or like old ketchup to come back to an old saw, um, is that uh, it does kind of like gel up and, and sit in a lump um, if you let ketchup sit still. So that's useful because sometimes you need to shut things off and you want uh, all those rocks to not fall to the bottom. So you need to have a, um, a yield point that's workable. So you worry about these things an awful lot when you're a mud engineer. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I think that's I think you, you could spend your entire life just thinking about viscosity. I mean, Reality. you could. You could. It's an option that I will consider during this break, and we'll be back in a moment on Cyclopedia Watch. back on encyclopedia brunch talking about oil drilling hey Catherine. hey tim did you know they sometimes put diesel fuel down there to act as quote mud how is that oh my god it's crazy no i'm really upset this is just this whole thing well so i don't know all right so so quickly the reason why is because why typically you use something water-based but uh As we know, the rheology of water is different than the rheology of oil, and yeah. so maybe you need that. But really, if you hit something, like, there's a lot of salt in the earth, and if you were drilling and you were forcing high-pressure water over salt, guess what's going to happen? It's going to dissolve it, and then you will just, like, destroy the uh, the hole you were trying to dig, and you'll collapse everything and kill many people. Um, and so uh, if you use something that does not solubilize salt, then you avoid this problem. So that's why they, okay. they do things like that. And I guess the other thing is that uh, they so often just use whatever's around because this is an industry that has grown up around a bunch of gold prospectors who are just like out there being like, "Uh, I could probably drink that milkshake. Um, And so 
I mean, diesel is just like a cheap, it's, it's one of the cheap things because you need so many thousands of gallons of this stuff um, because it's a big hole. Uh, it's, it's just is often their, their best option. Um, mm. They also use like, if they need to like clog up some holes, they'll just throw a bunch of walnut shells down there. Um, My God. Yeah. And so, yeah, I don't know. I mean, this is my this is my thing with it as well. Is that like, I actually think when you get into the nuances of like, what is the Earth? What's going on in there? Hey, Earth, what you got down there? Mud people, yeah. obviously, and then lava people. Oh yeah, and they hate each other. So oh, do they? Mm. We're just we're well, it's, it's it's literally fire and water. <laughs> yeah, I guess I guess you don't think of water as a strong component of mud, but of course it is. You always focus on the dirt, but. Yeah. Really, water's just as important. It's just yeah. like the old no, saying goes, water. can't have mud without water. Um, oh, I don't know. This whole thing is very frustrating. I mean, because like, what am I going to say? Like, well, we should research this because I use oil products every goddamn day. All the time. <laughs> All the time, constantly. Um, I mean, and I guess and another aspect of it is like one prospector, one crazy prospector in his red long johns is charming, but a ton of them are just going to take advantage uh, <laughs> of the natural environment and completely destroy, I don't know, the geology of the area and the environment and et cetera, et cetera, and things that I claim to care a lot about. <laughs> Big claims. Um, yeah. And, and I think uh, basically... You know, my opinion on oil, uh, one one sector of it anyway, is that like, well, we found a thing that's real, real good at making stuff and giving us energy, and it's so good, and we're such such greedy little uh, non-mud people, um, that it's it's really, really hard to resist uh, just not going and getting it, you know? And I think, you know, we've made some good calls and like, well, maybe don't drill there or there, because that would really hurt things. Um, but... Yeah, I don't know. It, it's 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 hard to. I think there are problems, but the the value that we get out of it is is so high. And I don't mean value in a like intrinsic value sense. I just mean like, yeah, you get a lot of energy, and you in can a make... monetary value sense, in a specifically yeah. monetary value sense. Uh, well, but we'll pay a lot for it. But I guess we don't have to because it's really cheap. I mean, that's the thing, right? Oil <laughs> oil is super cheap. It's such a cheap form of energy, which is like how we've built the 20th century. Um, and I don't know. For every time we complain about like the price of gas or something, it's like, yeah, when you think about it, that's still pretty good. Like $5 a gallon is a really good deal to go, you know, pay five bucks to go 30 miles on no energy. Hey, all right. Like it's pretty far. Mm-hmm. Um, assuming your car gets at least 30 miles a gallon, which it should to conform to a lot of uh, standards that have been put out recently. <laughs> but um yeah i mean i i don't know i think that's uh that's why we're able to that's why we have the motivation to come up with these crazy drilling systems where we're like i don't know what if we load it up with starch or what if we use diesel fuel or what if we whatever um and i would say as far as putting diesel fuel down the ground it seems like from, from what i've read uh, this is typically not problematic um all of that gets captured and and recontrolled because it costs them a ton of money and we're back to monetary but the diesel fuel is also a fuel yes so you're you're burning fuel to get more fuel you're not burning it that's the key is they they recollect They're, it not literally burning it but you're metaphorically burning it mm, i don't think you're metaphorically are you burning using it. it as diesel are you using it as diesel fuel once you recover it i think you just continue to uh drill over and over so that uh using the same mud 
so that you get enough uh, oil back that it doesn't matter. I mean, but there is some kind of purge, right? Right? I I, I don't know the actual like wasting rate of diesel fuel in this particular drilling um, configuration. So if if it's done correctly and understands the geology correctly, you don't lose much at all. Um, these That's these good. the systems are set up to form these cakes around the outside. So typically you have some sort of uh, solid mixed in with that uh, fluid, and that uh, because of pressure will form. Um, oh, what's a good example of of like basically it it clogs up all of the pores in the earth that it w- might flow through, and so it actually is um, a pretty uh, impermeable pipe or mm-hmm. hole, I guess. And so the recovery rate is quite high. I imagine they eventually do toss it or, you know, it goes bad or something. And I imagine, uh, sometimes bad things happen there. I don't know how they recover that because it's all mixed in with a bunch of junk. You could probably get it out by just like, yeah, you could probably just burn it, right? Just burn it right up. I don't know. I mean, what are the emissions on that stuff? Well, it's diesel fuel plus uh, a series of probably some carbohydrates and which also burn, you know, starches burn. Yeah, but I'm sure there's some sulfur in there. I'm sure you're going to get some socks and knocks out of that sort of stuff, right? Yeah, well, I imagine you would put that over a catalyst. I don't think you just like literally light it on fire, but I don't know. We don't know about this part. Like literally sometimes. It's true. That's what happens. I I don't know. I've heard about fracking plants where... They just flared their natural gas for like 5, 10, 15 days while they were doing startup mm-hmm. because they had to to make sure that their water treatment system worked. Right. And also they don't want to uh, they don't want to, you know, blow up their place by allowing a bunch of natural gas to build up. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, uh, <sighs> it's troubling and I wish we had a better solution here. I would say, though, uh we gotten real good at drilling for stuff, and that's useful for drilling for water. So, hard to argue with water, right? I suppose so. No, oh, it sounds like you're anti-water now. No, it's not that I'm anti-water. Mm, I, I guess but I... Is this a sentence you thought you'd be saying today? It's not that I'm anti-water. <laughs> I guess I, I would prefer to improve reclamation, water reclamation, rather than drilling into water reserves. Right. If possible. No, no, absolutely. And I think we should do that. Um, I think, uh, it has a lot more to do. I don't know. I, I can't think of the last like drill, uh, water table drill that I can project that I knew about, but I imagine there are parts of the world where, eh, we gotta have a pretty solid water well here in order to like, whatever. But I don't know. Maybe, maybe as we, uh, as we settle most places, uh, this is the greedy little mud people we are. We'll, uh, we'll find that, eh, all the drilling that we need to do for water is mo- mostly done. Maybe. I don't know. I, I mean, it depends on how much time and effort and energy and education and like willingness you have to like spend on reclaimed water and like how tight are you willing to make that reclamation loop? Right. So you say you, we just get all our water like so I guess what I'm hearing here, Catherine, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think I'm wrong. It sounds like you're anti underground. You're just against the underground. You like the surface. I just think that we should let the mud people do their thing. I just feel... Well, but you're proposing like a a separate but equal system, I feel like. You don't want a melting pot with the mud people? No, I don't. I just... I think we might be messing up their deal by drilling into their homes. I mean, how would you feel if the sky people drilled into your home? (laughs) Oh, yeah. I've had it up to here with those sky people. Right? I mean, that's how the mud people certainly feel about us. 
I, but again, you, 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 yeah, man, you put like such a, uh, such a hierarchy, like such a clear hierarchy. It's very, um, top normative for you to be like, well, the sky people have it over us and then we have it over the mud people. Like maybe it's bi-directional. Think, okay. In a serious way, what I'm trying to say is like our actions as a society affect shit. Like everything has, ram- it's all ramifications. <laughs> and I don't know. I- like it, it is really cool technology and it's amazing feat of engineering that we've been able to like figure out how to extract oil in all these crazy different ways from the ground. And that's cool. And there is beauty in that. But there's also like real consequence. Yeah. And we should think about that. I think that's well put. It, and it like literally like talking like topics like this make me feel like oh, I should have never, never majored in engineering. Should never have done this. I'm in the wrong place. What do you mean? Mm. I guess because everybody around me seems totally cool with it. <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I guess. Mm. So I, I, I go. I am going through and continue to go through this phase about citizen engineers, much okay. like citizen scientists, where it is up to the engineer. Like the engineer could say, like, okay, the buck stops here. And say, I'm not going to work on this project because I think it is morally wrong to do so. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's a lot to expect from a person. Yeah. Well, I mean, because you're asking, you have to learn both, uh, you know, the skills, which is, as you know, as we've seen with all these technologies, like, they're real complicated. Like, there is a lot to learn. Um, yeah. And uh, then you need to, in addition to that, be, you know, a good human, which sounds like a thing that you should just have. But I, I mean, you know, if we study the humanities you know philosophy like that's a lot of that is just studying what it is to be a good and interesting and and meaningful human being and so it seems like you're asking a citizen engineer to have a twofer you got to study both yeah i get and i'm like i asked this i would ask the same thing of like philosophy majors (laughs) to like be aware of how you get your products and like where does your water come from and where does your energy come from and like have a sense for how that works like i think we should all be experts in all things and then only we should all get together as some sort of hive mind okay go on (laughs) and compile all of our information and make one logical step forward based off of all of that information and it will be the d- the decision that hurts the fewest people animals plants etc and i think that's how we should save the planet really that's what i'm proposing <laughs> uh well i would like to say as uh representing the left quadrant of the hive mind that uh i disagree completely and i would like to see how many plants i can grind up Ooh, delicious plants no i say i, I I, I, I think my this stuff. Mm-hmm. It's tricky. It's tricky stuff, and I think, um, and I think you're right on on a lot of these counts. Is that uh, it's it's hard to it's a lot to ask an engineer to go from having the technical knowledge to also having a bigger picture thought about what should be done because often engineers are only asked how to do it, um, and and we don't have we don't have a mechanism to go the other way either, um, where you know take your pick someone who uh studies non-technical whatever um uh yeah let's just say a philosophy major writes you know an interesting philosophy on how it is to be human in the world but has not thought about well where did all that paper come from what paper mills was that you know where did all the ink come from uh because they're writing with real ink um uh just they oh it's they have a feather quill where did the feather (laughs) come from where did this quill come from (laughs) 
but but you know what I mean? It's just like it's really easy, I think, as a person who doesn't study this to not worry about it too much. You have some vague feelings about like, oh, well, you know, the environment's important or whatever. Um, but then you don't think about like, oh, man, every single thing I do has to do with this crazy technology. And then on the other hand, it's also really easy to just be like, hey, it's my job to do this. And we don't really have a good way. Like what that leads to is it just happening a lot because um, there's no one. No one has enough knowledge to be like, well, maybe we just shouldn't do this on either side. I don't think it's fair to say nobody no one. has enough knowledge. Just the hive mind. Like, I think there are people who do have enough knowledge and they advocate for certain things. But like it, it needs to be a little bit more coordinated. Yeah. No, I mean, I guess somewhere really- between where we are now and hive mind. <laughs> <laughs> really, what I mean to say is it is hard. And but I, I think I agree with you that it is important. Um and so, uh, you know, I try to be mindful about kind of learning both sides uh, and doing doing good and not just like being like, oh, it's what I was told to do. <laughs> just taking yeah. orders. I mean, really, this is why I start one reason that I started this podcast with you <laughs> <laughs> was like, well, I, we're both engineers and let's 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 see if we can figure anything out about the bigger picture here. Yeah, sure. Let's see if it's even possible. <laughs> And uh, yeah, I hope I hope uh, some of this nonsense uh, also helps uh, people learn about little things like, oh, well, how does drilling work or whatever? Um, and that that keeps you from having to uh, study it yourself and go to a drilling rig because they're terrible places. <laughs> they really are. They really are. Let's, let's... Yeah. I mean, to be clear, I am glad now that I know more about drilling than I did half an hour ago. I'm glad that we had this talk. I'm glad that we are where we are now. But, you know, you can still be made sad about this sort of thing. Sure. Well, let's uh, keep finding new places to be glad about where we are and, uh, you know, be sad appropriately in order to um, do good in this world. And until then, until then, when we do good in this world, (laughs) come back uh, next week when we'll have solved everything. And that's Captain Kogan over there. Oh, project for the week. Tim Dobbs right over here. Bye. Bye.